0: Everyone, thanks for listening to the Midweek Podcast. In this show, we strive to open a dialogue of how life recovery and God's Word go hand in hand. Every week, our speaker will be going through the biblical process of life transformation. And now, another episode of the Midweek Podcast.
1: All right, let's jump in. 2 Corinthians. Chapter Five. Well, we're just going to sit in verse one today. I brought two Bibles um, because I like the way that it reads. Forgive me in the King James Version. All right, um, it's an older version, students, um, that a lot of people like a whole whole lot, uh, and it sounds kind of weird in some spots. But I'll reread it in the NASB. Um, but the way that it, it phrases things, uh, it actually leans towards um, how we're going to be breaking that Scripture up. So, uh, chapter 5 of Second Corinthians, verse 1. As you're going there in your Bibles, I want to just uh, communicate to you how much I love. I just, I get a little obsessive. I just love how the Word of God never contradicts itself but also speaks into itself from other passages throughout scripture and whenever we read this i want you to understand that that second corinthians we believe was actually pinned not pinned um but written um before the book of john okay and so i'm bouncing between those and i'm bringing in a little bit of exodus uh but I want you to understand that there are themes and things throughout Scripture where it's referenced in other areas that speak more life, truth, and revelation into that. And it's so important to understand that multiple spots speak the same truth. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 reads this. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. In the NASB, it reads this, For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal. In the heavens. So, what I love about uh, Paul writing this specifically, if we understand Paul, the author of it, uh, and um, we understand one of his vocations was uh, being a tent maker, okay? So, he made tents for people. Uh, And so one of the things that we see through it is he references tents, um, but in the King James it also talks about tabernacle. And whenever I read that, I sat there and immediately jumped back to the people of God and the temporary housing of the presence of God as they wandered through the wilderness. All of that will come into play. But in the end, my question will be simply put, what are things that you are holding on to that are keeping you from receiving what he has for you? What are things that you are holding on to that he needs you to let go of so you can receive what he has for you? And I think all of us, uh, we're holding on to different things, but I also believe that he's trying to speak something to you that what you're holding on to is preventing you from receiving it. I don't know if you struggle with identity, like I do. I don't know if you struggle with worth or acceptability or lovability or security. I don't know if you struggle with addiction. I don't know if you struggle uh, with clout or status, appearance, the facade. I don't know if you hold tight to money. Things or expectations or control. I don't know what it is that you are holding on to with everything that you have that He is asking you to let go of, but my prayer tonight is that you do it. What I realized over the last couple years is that uh, this war of holding on to things and not receiving things for me. Is most fought in my mind. Because the idea behind a God that knows me to the deepest and yet still loves me is tough to comprehend. A God that knows everything that I've done and everything that I will do, yet still saw it worthy to send his only son, even though he knew that I would constantly kick him out of the throne of Lord of my life, that doesn't compute. And so I sometimes read things and I say, yes, that's probably true for most of you, but I doubt it for me. So, if we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. And house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So Paul is saying that, uh, you know, the reality is, and we talked about this last week, that things are temporal and eternal. Things are temporary and uh, things are eternal. We both are, are, are vessels um, that have an end date. We will expire, uh, and, but our soul is eternal. And the impact uh, that the decisions that we have today drastically impact where we spend all of eternity. Okay? We accept the reality of pain in our fallen world. We understand that it is prevalent, and we worked through Romans chapter 8 as we talked about that uh, last week. So this week, we're just checking that box of understanding that, yes, we will die. Spoiler alert. You will die. There comes a time when that will occur. Okay? So if Paul is saying that we know that our earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, He's starting his argument for all of chapter 5 with this concept behind a tent. And I love the fact that he's a tent maker. Um, but I also love the fact that in King James' tabernacle, tenting immediately takes me back to the establishment of the tabernacle with the people of God after Exodus. So the people of God, um, they, were, they were traveling, and, uh, and they were um, doubting God, and then therefore uh, 40 years would pass when they, uh, we say wander, but they were really guided, so they were following in the wilderness uh, for 40 years. And inevitably, almost all of them that were present before uh, going into uh, the promised land, they said, ah, we're too scared, we doubt. They all had to die off, and the next generation had to rise up before crossing that threshold and receiving the promises of God. As they were going, God had a desire to tabernacle with his people, to reside with them. But there was a problem, right? Back in the Garden of Eden, God resided alongside Adam and Eve. They walked the garden. That is the way that it was intended to be. God doing life with his creation in the midst of his creation. And then when sin occurred, there was a separation between man and God. And sin separated and they were kicked out of the garden of Eden. From that point on, that sickness carried from generation to generation. And it led us to the point to where a sinful group of people, known as the Israelites, uh, they found themselves it was set apart from the world, struggling through their sin, yet with a God that was relentlessly in pursuit of being in their presence. So they set up some uh, rules of engagement for the people of God. And, and God gave Moses specific instructions as to how to build and construct this temporary tabernacle, this temporary temple, uh, so that as these sojourners would wander through the wilderness, going from place to place, following the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, they could set up camp when it stopped, and then worship God who resided inside the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. So, 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 what I love, what I love about this is that temple, that tent, that tabernacle was temporary. It was temporal. It was meant to be in a specific part of, all et- of eternity to meet a need and to connect with the people of God. That tent would be broken down and set back up. Broken down and carried and then reconstructed in the new location. And what's interesting about the people of God is in this season of life, 40 years, in this long season of life, they understood one thing very clear. They had a home. They had a promise. But they were not yet there. They knew what was to come. It had been foretold for generation after generation from Abraham all the way down. So they knew of this promised land. And yet they also knew that they weren't there yet. So they were traveling, completely dependent on God, setting up this tent to experience an encounter with the presence of God, worshiping, sacrificing, surrendering, struggling, not wandering but following his presence. And so Paul's writing, he says, guys, our bodies, our bodies are temporary. This is a tent for this world. We are sojourners. We are are temporary inhabitants of a place that is not our home. We are sojourners in this world, and this body is a tent that is temporary. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, this, this, this letter is written to the Church of Corinth. Our bodies also, our bodies also are vessels of the presence of God, just as the tabernacle was. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you do life empowered by Him and with Him. So just as the temporary establishment of the tabernacle carried the presence of God to sojourners in the Old Testament, that also is true for us today. Our temporary vessels that are our bodies, they will dissolve, King James. We will die. But the function of this tent is the same as the tabernacle because we also walk with the presence of God within us And it should change the way that we live. So, his first line, right out of the gate, acknowledges the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the temporal nature of our fallen world, the relentless pursuit of God and you. Just as fact. For we know. Our earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down. For if we die, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Death is a very difficult thing. There's no way around it. We have the hope of salvation, but it doesn't make the, the reality of death any easier to accept. It's a difficult thing. Many people in here have lost people recently, especially over the last couple years. But what's beautiful is although you cannot avoid it, the hope that we have in knowing that part two of that verse is true, that we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. How do we know that? How do we know this? How do we know this? How do we know this? How do you just know that that is true? John chapter 14. If you have, if you can, flip to John 14. We're going to be in verse 1. Jesus just is comforting his disciples. This is a passage I always go to whenever I'm like, I'm about to do a funeral. I have someone that just died, and I just need to be reminded and be comforted uh, that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He just let them know that he is going to die. The Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one, who also had been prophesied for a really long time. That guy was going to die and leave. The same one that asked them to let go of a lot of stuff. The same one that asked them to drop their nets. The same one that asked them to forsake their jobs. To forsake the security of their stable income. To forsake the burial of their parents. To forsake family. To forsake their lives. To let go of all of it. The same one that said, hey, drop it and follow me just said, I'm going to die, and I'm going somewhere else. And they were so sad. They were so sad and confused and frustrated, and I'm sure Peter was vulgar. But this is, what he, this is what they said. He goes, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would not have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Jesus promises the disciples and fulfills that of which Paul states about 30 years earlier in a letter written to the church of Corinth. 30 years earlier, John was written about 30 years after Paul penned 2 Corinthians. Okay, So, so, so these, these words that are being taught to these people groups in very different ages and stages, uh, but the, the same common thread is there. You will die. I will die. There is difficulty in this world, and yet there is a place a dwelling place, something that is not temporary, something that is not the same as a tent, something that is not as faulty as our bodies, something that is not as fallen as this world. There is something after, and it is eternal. Therefore, be at peace. The promise that we have in Scripture and the hope that we have received through not only the teachings of Jesus Christ, the promises of God, but also the teachings of the apostles and the things that are written after Christ spoke and died, they're, they're, they're so encouraging. Because I think all of us don't have a hard time accepting the reality that we are dying. But sometimes it's difficult to accept the reality that God sees you, he's paid the price for you, and he has something in store for you if you're only willing to receive it. My prayer leading up to tonight is that each and every single one of us choose to let go of something tonight. I've listed a lot of things. One thing I have not yet touched is our pride. I think we struggle with that. I struggle with that. Coming to a point in your life when you're willing to surrender and ask to be saved requires a specific posture. And that's not in most people's nature. Needing to depend on someone so much or admitting the reality that the way that you've been trying to do things this whole time isn't working out and you need to do something different. It requires humility and self-awareness. This last, uh, one week ago, one week ago last last wednesday someone i know passed away and to frame the situation for you he uh i was introduced to him by someone in this church and um <laughs> Not many people know this about me. I'll just say it. Don't judge me, okay? So when Hurricane Florence happened, uh, our rental got uh, flooded, and we put everything in a super important spot in the uh, above garage room, all the important stuff right up there, all the valuable stuff up on the second story right above that garage. Um, And the roof blew off right above the garage, okay? Okay. Um, And so when we opened the door, like mold and everything, (laughs) it was crazy. Um, Well, my wife worked really hard. Um, I'm I'm exaggerating. I do that. It was like a million-page document. We submitted to our insurance um, because it was downward. They said, you got a case. And uh, a second hurricane shut down their office, and they uh, decided to expedite and give it full with zero depreciation. And so we were like, holy cow, what are we going to do? So we paid off debt. We were intentional about some things. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, I pray and say, well, <laughs> I'm going to buy a shrimp boat. Um, I'm down east. <laughs> Why not, right? It took me a long time talking her into it. And then I later found out that boat actually means bring another thousand dollars. What What is that, bring, bring extra money? I don't know what it is, but it's... <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Um, no one told me that until after I bought it. But, but I bought this boat. Got it going. I needed to find a captain. I found this guy. His name's Corey. And uh, got to know him. Got to know him pretty good. And I uh, went through a season with him. And the shrimp boat uh, wrecked. It sank. Um, long story there. But after it happened, uh, I was preaching on a Sunday, and I was like, Corey, come to church, come to church, come to church. So he came to church. He brought his wife. He brought his kid. And I was sitting there, I was like, oh, Lord, lead him to you. I knew he struggled with addiction. He's very clear about that, drug abuse. And um, I was like, oh, Lord, please. So I'm like, I'm praying more in the spirit, out of the spirit, in every single way possible for that man to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior. I'm preaching as hard as I can to everybody with Corey in my mind, and I give the invitation. Now, while all of your heads are bowed, I'm sitting there looking at him. I'm giving the invitation. No, I didn't do that, but I'm giving the invitation and I'm praying as I'm speaking. Lord, please. And I ask for a response and I look over and he doesn't flinch we went out to eat after. And we talked about sports, Hung out with this kid, got to know his wife. And I was so sad. So sad. Back then, we had uh, connect cards. And um, that Monday, we came in and the fire alarm kept on going off. People were having to evacuate. Preschool was so mad. It was a mess. It was a mess. It usually is with me. And so it's all a mess. And... um, and I run into Laura's office at that time, and I sit down, and I'm trying to, like, print something for the meeting. And I look over, and the stack of connect cards are sitting right there, and Corey's is on very top. And the alarm's going off, and the lights are flashing. It's so loud. I'm having to print this because I know it's just an issue with the pressure in the sprinkler system. So I'm not really scared, even though any time it goes off, you should evacuate, Right. You should immediately evacuate. Follow the rules, okay? Emergency action plan, okay? So um, I'm printing this thing. I look down, I see Corey's card, and I look at it. And he filled it out, and on the bottom of it, he checked the box. I received to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And so I'm sitting there, and I've been beating myself up or, like, second-guessing how I executed things or praying, God, why did you not do it? And yet, he filled that card out, and he sat on there. They accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So as time goes on, I'm sitting there, I'm encouraging our staff, I'm like, guys, no matter what happens, that recognize that we are not always the ones that get to see the harvest. We're not always, but, but our job isn't uh, the results, it's the obedience in the moment, right? And so I'm doing that, and this happens, and, uh, and we continue in our relationship, but I continue to get the stiff arm. And as time goes, we become more distant. And uh, I get some phone calls and texts from um, Robin, and uh, I found out Thursday last week that he had um, he had OD'd on Tuesday. But then I went back to that time I was sitting at the desk, and the alarm was going off, and the situation seemed chaotic. And the sadness that I felt with the expectation of him accepting Christ on Sunday, unmet. Seeing that card and seeing that box, it gave me hope. I sat there, I was telling my wife, I was like, Babe, I can't wait for the day that I go to heaven, I'm going to look for him. But whatever happened in him in that moment, He came to a crossroad where he had to choose. And some of you may have not yet made that choice. And yet, we still, after that moment of salvation, we go through life. And to be honest, every day, some of us need to make a choice. For some of us, every minute, are we going to hold on to that lie? Are we going to hold on to that thing? Are we going to enable our codependency? Are we going to allow pride to sit on the throne? Are we going to try to control things to leverage the best outcome? Are we going to be willing to say, I need help? Are we going to be willing to say, God save me? Are we going to be willing to accept that he sees you, that he knows you, that he loves you, that you are worthy, that it doesn't matter if you were laid off, you are acceptable. It doesn't matter if she's abandoned you, you are lovable. It doesn't matter if your children have strayed, you are acceptable. Acceptable the circumstances that surround the fallen nature of 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 our dying vessels, of our bodies that are tense, that are dwindling as time goes on, that is insignificant in comparison to the hope that we have, the promise that we've been declaring, that God not only sees you as worth it, he sees you as worthy, but he has prepared a place for you. And like Pastor says, our heart is to bring as many people with us as we can. And I would hate it if none of you joined us. So what do you need to let go of so that you can receive what he has for you? What do you need to accept so that you can stand with confidence and believe in his promise? That there is a dwelling place with your name on it. It is not built with hands, it is not on this earth in the physical, but it's in the heavenly. Father, as we transition into this time of response, Lord, God, I pray that you you are the one that does business with us. You are the one that leads us to your altar. You are the one that allows us the privilege of surrendering our pride, surrendering uh, our children, surrendering our control, surrendering our jobs, surrendering our vocation, surrendering the things that we've misprioritized over you, surrendering our marriage, surrendering our friends, surrendering all of it to you. For some, it's surrendering their lives. It's saying, I'm done doing it my way. I'm ready to do it yours. For some, it's straight up repentance of sin. And for some, getting off of the throne and kneeling before you, allowing you to be Lord of our life. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to sit down and I just want you to think right now and ask the Lord, say, what is it Bring something to my mind that I've put above you. Bring something to my mind that I have ripped out of your hands. Bring something to my mind that I put way too much value in. Bring something to my mind that I believe that is not of you. And as we sing the song, I want you to do business with him. The song will walk you through the process. (laughs) If you want to, come to the altar. If you want to stand and walk down that aisle as an outward example of what you're taking to him. Do it. Pray. Pray and leave it in the name of Jesus Christ and go back to your chair and worship like you've risen from the dead. Worship like you know that there is a dwelling place for you. Worship like he deserves it. The altar is open. Some of our prayer team will pray over you. You can come down with your spouse. You can come down alone. But we're going to spend a couple minutes just worshiping him. Father, have your way. In the name of Jesus Christ.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Midweek Podcast here at Temple Church. If something spoke to your heart today, we'd love to hear from you and walk alongside you. You can reach us at temple at temple.church or you can send us a text message at 252-521-2093. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love it if you rate and review the show and share it with your friends. That helps us to get the word out. Again, you can join us weekly for more episodes on how God can transform us and use us for his kingdom. We'll see you next time.